Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on November 14th, 2021, during our Sunday morning service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12th meets 6 p.m. on Sundays, and our Awana program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. What did you want to be when you grew up? Some of you, I could still ask you that, right? <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? When I was a kid, I wanted to be a superhero. I don't know about you. Or a Jedi, one of the two. Kind of the same thing. I wanted to be able to do amazing things and do great things and have all those powers. And you know, sometimes we read through the Bible and we read the story of Samson who had supernatural strength. We read the stories of Moses who was able to do amazing things. Elijah, as we studied earlier this year, able to do amazing things. The Apostle Paul, able to heal people and do miracles. And sometimes it can seem to us as if the men and women of Scripture were superheroes. Friend, they were not. They were not. And the same Spirit who operated in Elijah's life is operating in your life. James tells us that Elijah was a man just like us. He wasn't a superhero, but he served a super God. And the power of God was at work in his life. Now, God doesn't choose to operate in your life and in my life in the exact same way. He doesn't choose to operate His gifts through us in the exact same way. But what I want to share with you this morning as we pick up where we left off last week is that if you are a child of God, the very Spirit of God lives inside of you. And as Paul says in Romans 8, the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead is going to give life to your mortal bodies. And He has given you a gift. Every believer, as we saw last week, every child of God has a spiritual giftedness. Now, a spiritual gift is not a superpower. The Apostle Paul had the ability to heal, but not whenever he wanted to. Not whoever he wanted to. In fact, Paul couldn't heal himself. Paul uh, did not heal Timothy of whatever Timothy's stomach ailment was. He either could not or would not for whatever reason. God chose not to use Paul's healing gift to heal Timothy. Paul couldn't heal whenever, whoever, however he wanted. Nevertheless, the Spirit of God was at work in him and through him. The same Spirit, by the way, who was in you and wants to work through you. A spiritual gift is not a superpower. It's not a 
spiritual fruit. All Christians have the capacity, if they walk in the Spirit, to produce love, joy, peace, all of the various aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, which can be evident in in their life. A spiritual gift is even different than a natural ability, although it often operates through our natural abilities because the, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, has given you the natural abilities that you have. He's given you the capacities that you have just as He's given you a giftedness. But as we saw last week, a spiritual gift is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a manifestation of the Spirit. And the moment that you receive Christ as your Savior, the moment that you repent of your sin, recognize that there is only one payment for sin, that is the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus on the cross. There's only one way to be forgiven and have eternal life, and that's to trust in the resurrected Jesus Christ to receive His grace, not by works, otherwise it's not grace, but to receive it by faith. You are made a child of God. You are baptized by the Holy Spirit. You are immersed into what we call the church, the ecclesia, the called out assembly, the body of Jesus Christ. You are made part of the body. And as part of the body of Christ, you are given a way through which the Holy Spirit, who is invisible, we don't see him, but we can see him manifest through each other, through the gifts of that he has given to each of us. An empowerment by which God himself will minister through you to the body. Now last week we looked at Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and we talked about how you need to find your gift. What you need to do if you're going to find your giftedness. And as I said last week, it doesn't necessarily matter that you know exactly the name of your gift. Or that you know exactly what to call your gift. What matters is that you're using it. Because as you use it, people will tell you what your giftedness is. As you minister, people are going to be ministered to. And they're going to respond. And they're going to ask you to bring more. (laughs) Bring more of a manifestation of the Spirit into our lives, into our church. But if you want to be that kind of person who is able to manifest the Holy Spirit's activity in your life, through your life, you need to, number one, you need to be sacrificed in body. You need to serve like Christ. Remember what we read last week? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You need to be a holy sacrifice. If there's uh, all of us sin, all, none of us are sinless. But if there is willful, unrepentant sin in your life, child of God, brother, sister, if there's willful un- unrepentance, you're not going to be able to effectively use your gift, the Holy Spirit. You may still be able to use your natural abilities, but the Holy Spirit is not going to be manifesting in you and through you the way that he would if you weren't grieving him or quenching him. But if you are holy, if you're set apart, if you're surrendering, repenting of your sin when you sin, confessing it to the Lord. If you are a living sacrifice, which means you're actually using your hands, your feet, your, your mouth, your, your eyes, you're looking for where you can serve, you're listening for what the needs are so that you can respond to them, so that you can minister to the body of Christ, then God will begin to 
direct you, and you will find your giftedness. Now, we very quickly, last week, we also went through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7, where Paul lays out the process of this. First of all, Paul says you have to get involved in active ministry. You have to, there, are different kind, there are many different kinds of the, the King James says administrations. The Greek word simply means active ministry. There are many different ministries that you can get involved with. Pick one. Doesn't mean you, you, you honestly, you do not have to commit for life. I know that sometimes it feels when you sign up for something at church, you're committed for life. You, you, aren't, you do not have to commit to life for, for that, uh, that area of ministry. But unless you are getting involved somewhere and, and doing something, you're not going to be able to pinpoint and zero in on where you're really gifted. And so Paul says, don't wait until you know exactly what your gift is. Get involved in serving. There are many different kinds of, of ministries you can get involved with. As you get involved, the second thing that will happen is you will find your quote-unquote operation. Now, again, that's the King James translation. The Greek word literally means energizing. It's the same Greek word from which we get our English word energy. And what he's saying is as you are ministering, as you're active in ministry in the church, you're going to find that there are some things that God energizes. Some things they just get done because they need done, right? Sometimes, you may not have the gift of service, but sometimes we all got to pick up the chairs, right? Sometimes we all got to, we all got to, you may not have the gift of service, but sometimes the mess needs cleaned up and you're there. So we, we, uh, whether you're the pastor or, or a trustee or whoever, sometimes we just have to step in and, and do what needs to be done. But when I am serving in different ministries, I'm going to find that there are certain things that God energizes inside of me. It sparks inside of me. The, the fire gets lit. And I, and I feel God energizing me to do it, and I feel God energizing others when I do it. And so then, finally, we can see how the Holy Spirit is manifesting in those areas. But we got to start getting active in our service. Now, we're going to talk about uh, how to fuel our gift today, but let me just very quickly, we're not going to unpack any of these, but let me just very quickly run through some reasons why we don't serve why many christians aren't active it's been said and i haven't done the numbers here this is just a, something i've heard all my life that 80 percent of the work gets done by 20 percent of the people and 20 percent of the uh 80 uh, percent of the people do 20 percent of the the other 20 percent of the work i don't know what the numbers are in our church i haven't i haven't run those numbers exactly although i don't know that that's necessarily too far off but why why aren't we serving let me give you a few reasons because Paul tells Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, not to neglect your gift. Don't neglect your gift. God has given you a gift. God has given you the ability to manifest the Holy Spirit in, in someone else's life if you're, if you're a Christian. So why don't we? Well, let me, let me give you just a few very quickly. Number one, sin. We've already talked about that. We're quenching the Spirit. We're grieving the Spirit, so we don't want to get active in ministry, or we're not effective when we do because we're not really submitted to the Holy Spirit. For some of us, number two, it's just fear. We're afraid. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of opposition. For some of us, those fears are based on number three, past failures. We, did, we have served and we have failed. And none of us like to fail again. 
So sometimes it, it, we think it's easier to just stop than to keep failing. But think of all that we would be lacking in this world if people quit after the first failure. How many, how many light bulbs did Edison make before he finally hit on one that would actually work? And so we have to continue to try, but many times because of disappointments in the past, we get um, uh, wrapped up in failure and that discourages us to serve in the present. Number four, why do we fail? Well, number four, oftentimes it's self-reliance. We, we think of what we can do. And when we think about what we can do, we can get discouraged. Because we have some pretty big limitations. But we're not talking about just what we can do. We're talking about what God can do in us. What God can do through us. Now, the other side of that is, number five, self-importance. Sometimes we think too much of what we can do. Sometimes we are so important, self-important, that we don't want to serve because why should I serve them? I should be the one getting served. And so that can keep us from getting involved as well. Sometimes, though, we have the best of intentions. It's not that there are major areas of sin in our life, but sometimes, number six, it's just we're so distracted. We're so distracted by how busy we all are. But the reality is that using my gift must become a priority in my life. Because as we saw last week, it's part of our worship. Serving God is part of our worship. It is our Romans chapter 12, verse 1, your reasonable service in worship to the Lord. Sometimes, though, and, and boy, if you've been in ministry for any amount of time, this has been true in your life. Number seven, sometimes it's just fatigue. Failure to rest. You know, uh, I found that because we're not under the old covenant, sometimes us Baptists, we have a really hard time understanding the principle of Sabbath. Because we're not under the law of Moses. But you understand that Sabbath is not something that started with Moses. Sabbath is something that started with God, who did not need to rest. But on the seventh day of creation, rested as an example to us. Now, if uh, you're like me, Sunday is not a very restful day. Sunday's not the Sabbath anyway. Saturday is the Sabbath. Many of us Sabbath on Sundays. Some of us can't Sabbath on Sundays. But you need to have some day, whether it's a Saturday or whenever you can, you need to make rest a priority so that you don't burn out. And that needs to be part of how we look at ministry so that we don't fail to use our gift. Even Jesus took time to rest. Even Jesus, we see it, if for example, in Mark 6.31, he told the disciples, guys, you guys have been so busy, you guys have worked so hard, Let, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Nothing wrong with taking a break. Nothing wrong with serving and having to step back and take a, and take a breather. There's nothing wrong with that, so long as it is just a break. So long as it is just a breather. Then you can come back off the bench and start using your spiritual gift again. Now, talked about how to... Find your gift. We've talked about why people, even when they know what their gift is, don't use their gift. Let's continue uh, together through Romans chapter 12, and let's look at some things that we need to do to fuel 
our gift so that we actually get better at it, so that we actually get more, more effective at allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself in and through our life. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. So apparently fear was one of the issues that Timothy had. So if fear is an issue you have, you, you are in very good company. But don't let fear keep you from serving because God hath not given us the spirit of fear. The spirit of God is the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And all of those things that the spirit brings to us are so that we can use that gift to serve him by serving others. So in Romans 12, Paul says, after you have made that commitment that you're going to be a sacrifice, that you are going to use your gifts, Paul says in verse 2, you have to then be separated in your mind. Oh, yes, you must be sacrificed in body, but it's not enough to just be active. It's not enough to just be involved. You have to think differently. You have to also be separated in your mind and be not conformed, verse 2, to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Friend, you have to think like Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You say, how is that possible? Well, because Paul also said we have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians. Because we have the spirit of Christ, we have the mind of Christ. It is God, Philippians uh, 2, 12 and 13, who is working in us to will and to accomplish his good pleasure, which is why we are able to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Because he's the one at work in us to give us the right desires, to give us the ability to accomplish what he has called us to do. But friend, to do that, you have to think like Jesus. You have to break out of the mold that our culture tries to press our brains into. Every culture around the world has strengths and weaknesses, but those weaknesses are there by design. Because as we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, there is a God of this age, the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2 calls him. The spirit who is at work in the sons of disobedience, who is charting the course of this world. And every culture has belief systems, cultural baggage that gets attached to us, that tries to th get us to think in ways that are unbiblical and ungodly. And here's what Paul is saying. Unless you intentionally break out of those thought processes, you will have your brain pressed and you will be indoctrinated into the world's way of thinking. We have got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Every age at every culture exerts cultural pressures to indoctrinate us with ungodly ways of thinking. And reinforces what is, what is natural in all of us, which is self-absorption. I don't have to be taught how to think about myself first. 
I have to be taught how not to think about myself first. And I turn on the TV, and every commercial, almost every commercial is telling me, put yourself first. Put yourself first. Be better than the person next to you. Look better. Feel better. Put yourself first. And I have to be intentional in what Paul says here, renewing my mind. Unless I am being mentally transformed. Let me read it again. Be ye transformed. If you want to break out of the mold, if you want to say I'm educated and not indoctrinated, the only way to do that is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It means you have to renew your mind. And when you renew your mind, Paul says, you will be able to prove or to know what is good. You'll be able to know what is acceptable. You will be able to know what is perfect in God's will. We spend a lot of time when we're young, maybe sometimes even when we get older, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will? What is God's will? You know why we ask that question? Because we're not spending more time renewing our mind. Because Paul says when your mind is renewed, you're going to be able to see how the Spirit's leading you. You're going to be able to know, oh, that's, that's an easy answer. That's, that's evil. I, can, I know that's not God's will. But even when we get into those difficult decisions, we're going to be able to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit when we aren't thinking the way that the world wants us to think, but we're thinking the way God wants us to think. And you're, there are three things that you're going to need to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. And let's think about this in the context of spiritual gifts. Number one, you're going to have to study. You're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Now study what? Study God's word. You're here this morning or watching this morning. That's a good first step. But in 35, 40 minutes, however long we are in the word this morning, that's not enough time to get you through the whole week. You're going to need to spend some time on your own in God's word so that you will learn how God wants you to think. You'll learn how Jesus thinks so that you'll be able to think differently. I, I say this often. There are many things in this book that I do not like and that I do, there are many things that I do not agree with. Do you know why? Because I'm a sinner. And this book tells me things I don't want to hear. But it's not because this book is wrong. It's because my brain is wrong. And so when I read things and I say, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's right. I need to be willing to Stop being conformed to the pattern of the world and let the word of God transform me and think, okay, maybe there's some things that I'm not taking into account. In fact, I know there's some things I'm not taking into account. There are some things I need to change in my thoughts. There are some ways I think that need to stop, that need to go away forever, and I need to accept God's transforming power of his word. But listen, that's not just going to happen if you're just reading a daily bread. Nothing wrong with daily bread. Daily bread's a good place to start, but you got to get into the Word. It's, it's, it's great to have an encouraging devotional story that you can carry through your day, but it's the Word of God itself, the pure Word of God that is going to change the way you think. And so when we talk about spiritual gifts, you need to spend some time in Romans chapter 12. I'm not going to take a week. We're, we're almost into the Christmas season. Uh, I'm not going to take a week and look at every one of these spiritual gifts 
that are listed. Number one, I don't think that every spiritual gift is listed in in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12. I think there are others that we see elsewhere activating in other parts of the Old and New Testament that aren't listed in these lists. These are not exhaustive lists. So the point is not, again, spending time on each gift as a as a body although there may be a time when i feel the lord leads us to do that we're not going to do that this year but you need to be in those lists you need to take time to look at what the gifts that the bible talks about in romans 12 in first corinthians 12 in other places in scripture as you're reading as you see the things that god uses in people's lives to manifest his presence you need to say okay what are the gifts how how did they work in the bible Why is that a spiritual gift? Why is that important to the body? Because the word of God is our authority. Number two, you got to pray. You come to me as a pastor and you say, Pastor, I don't I don't know what my spiritual gift is. One of the first things that I usually tell people, sometimes I sometimes I don't say this because I forget or the conversation is just in a different direction. But a lot of times what I will say to them is, How long have you been praying about it? How much time have you been spending in prayer asking God to show you what your gift is? Because the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so if God has given you a gift, it's not because he's playing hide and seek with you. If you don't know what it is, ask him. Not just, well, I asked him last week when you preached, preacher, and he didn't answer. Well, did, did, you really, did you really ask? I mean, have you really spent time this week praying about it, wrestling with God about it, studying God's Word, asking God in prayer what your gift is? Pray for God to reveal your gift and how to use your gift. Maybe some of you know what your gift is. You just don't know where to use it or how to use it. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, to give you the wisdom, and he will. Number three, though, you have to listen. You have to listen. Some of us are not good listeners. I'm not always a good listener. I have to warn you. I, I have a, a mind that wanders and bounces back and forth. I, got, I, got, I tell my wife, I got a ping pong ball in my head, okay? She's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, well, let me count the ways, okay? I've been thinking... You know, 20 things in the last five minutes. My, my brain just ping-pongs around up there sometimes. So some of us are not good listeners, and we need to get wise counsel. Out of the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. And so what are people telling you your gift is? What, what are uh, the spiritual leaders in your life telling you? that your gift might be or what are they where are they asking you to serve how are they asking you to serve we have to be willing to listen to seek wise counsel to seek the affirmation of spiritual leaders as was the case in timothy's life so you have to be separated in your mind number three you have to be submissive You have to be submissive in your will. For I say, verse 3, through the grace given unto me, 
Paul says, I'm using, I am now operating in the grace of God, the serving grace of God, using my gift of teaching to teach you according to my gift through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. You have to humble yourself like Christ if you're going to use your gift. Paul says in the context of spiritual gifts, listen, you're going to have to deal with your will. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Well, why should I serve them? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said about me? Well, nobody's serving me. Why should I serve them? Pastor DJ forgot to thank me. Pastor DJ forgot to acknowledge what I did. Why should I? I I'm going to forget. That doesn't make it right. Okay, that's still on me. I'm going to forget. I'm going to let you down. But we're serving him. We're serving him. You're not here for me. You're not here for your spouse or your parents. You're here for him. So we serve the Lord together. So we have to depend on the Spirit's power, not our own power. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit to do the work, not by might nor by power but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So part of breaking my will is saying, you know what, even though I'm not sure if I can do this or even if I've failed before, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to trust the grace of the serving grace of Jesus Christ and I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit's power. Number two, I'm going to submit to whatever gift the Holy Spirit has given unto me. I'm going to submit to his gifting. I might wish that I had a different gift. Hey, if I could pick gifts, I'd pick healing, right? I'd pick the gift of healing. But that's not the gift that God gave me. I don't have that gift. I have to find out what my gift is and not compare myself with other people and say, well, I don't have uh, uh, the same gifting that they have or I'm not as gifted because the grace is different. God, even if you have the same gift as someone else, doesn't mean you have the same amount of that gift. God gives to some more than others. And I'm not to look at others and say, well, they got more, so I'm not going to use my gift. They're better at that. Than, well, maybe they're better because they've been fueling it, because they've been using it. Submit to the Spirit's gifting. Do you understand that when you don't use the gift, you're dishonoring the gift giver? We've, we've all given a gift, an expensive gift to probably our kids, right? And they didn't appreciate it. I know I've been given gifts that I didn't appreciate. And then I thought later, I thought, oh, man, you know, maybe I didn't know how much it cost. Maybe I didn't know how much thought was put into it when it was given. And we've all been hurt by 
giving somebody a gift and they didn't appreciate it or they acted like they didn't appreciate it or they acted like they didn't use it or they just went out and broke it and they didn't seem to care, didn't value it. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit has placed a value on the gift that he has given you? And you dishonor the Holy Spirit when you don't use your gift or when you think it's not important just because it's not what somebody else has? Well, I wish I had their gift. Well, you don't have their gift. You have the gift that the Holy Spirit, who knows better than you, chose to give to you. But also what Paul is saying here is we have to embrace the gifting of others. We have to embrace the gifting of others. We have to recognize that I need the gifts I don't have. And that means I need to be somewhere where, th- where those gifts can be manifested to me. Where I can be served by a gift I don't have. I don't have the gift of giving. That's not a gift that I have. I don't have the gift of mercy that some of you have. I don't have the gift of exhortation or encouragement that some of you have. But I need those gifts. And I need the people who have those gifts to be active in my life and in my family's life. So that I can be blessed by that because none of us are an island. None of us are created to be lone rangers for Christ. There are times when we have to stand alone, but we're not created to live the Christian life in isolation. We're created to live in family and community because that's what we are. And so you have to embrace the Spirit's gifting of others. And we're not going to take the time to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, but Paul says, listen, You can't say just because you're not a hand that you don't fit in the body. But you also can't say because I am a hand that I don't need my feet. Well, I'm an eye, but I don't need my hearing. Paul says we need each other. That's the way God made us as brothers and sisters in Christ as part of one body because we need one another. Be sacrificed in body and serve like Christ. Be separated in mind. Think like Christ. Be submissive in your will. Humble yourself like Christ. And can I just say this in closing as Ramona comes for the invitation. Be sincere in your heart and love like Christ. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, even if I spoke with the tongues of men and angels, if I don't have love, I'm just banging a cymbal. The whole point of this is that we love God by using our gift and we love one another. The greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. The second commandment is like unto it to love your neighbor as yourself. And so in closing, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse nine, let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. He says, listen, if this is going to work, you're going to have to be loving. But you understand what happens? None of us are perfect. But you understand what happens in a, in a, a fellowship like ours, in a body like ours, when people start to be really sacrificing their time and their talents and their treasures and they begin to think differently by the word of God, submitting their mind to the word of God, and they begin to sacrifice their will and say, not what what I want, but what God wants and not my priorities, but your priorities. And they begin to truly love one another. You understand how the spirit manifests? Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want that for your family? Don't you want that for this church? Would you stand as we close in prayer? Father, thank you, God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit who gifts us 
so that we can manifest Him through our words and our deeds. God, the gift is beyond even our ability to appreciate it. And yet, God, as valuable as it is so often, God, we leave it on the shelf. God, help us today to thank you for the gift by using sincerely, lovingly using our gift for your glory and for our good. And Father, if there's somebody here who today, they don't have a gift because they don't have you. God, I pray they would not leave this room before they have made certain in their heart that they are forgiven by God's grace received through faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We love and thank you. Yes, it's all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and you would like to know how, please give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.